What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team. My name is Riley Holbert, and I'm joined by my good friend, J.W. Crewall. If you're listening for the first time, because this is the first episode we will be uploading to all sorts of podcasting platforms, this is a competitive Pokemon trading card game podcast where J.W. and I discuss all things related to the competitive card game, uh, prepping for tournaments, metagame analyses, tournament reviews, and we just like to have some fun as well, talk about cards we like, Pokemon we like, it's kind of an all-around thing, and we record it live every week on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Munner, so check it out there if you got a chance, but otherwise you can check it out on a variety of platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. So, uh, as a little bit of introduction, I'm Riley Holbert, uh, I was the Dallas 2018 Regional Champion, I have a couple other feats under my belt, but that's the most notable one, and I've been playing Pokemon for a couple years now, and just really love the entire franchise, I've grown up with it basically and i'm really excited to be able to give back to the community in any way i can yeah and i'm jw crewall i am riley's partner in crime been playing for about 10 years now uh very exciting for me now i'm kind of getting into this content production uh side of things so i'm very excited to be here uh, i have a regional championship under my belt as well back in i believe 2012 no, 2014. Ah, whatever. It was a long time ago. 2014. Yeah, we'll call it that. Fort Wayne um, won that regional and uh, have a number of other, you know, regional top eights, special event finishes, all that good stuff. So very happy to have uh, you all here tonight with us. And uh, let's get down to the episode. Yeah. So this upcoming weekend, we have the Knoxville Regional Championship. So it's going to be a standard format event held in Knoxville, Tennessee. I know, JW, you're going, and you're pretty darn excited. I, unfortunately, will be missing that event, but I know I am super excited to get down to the nitty-gritty of it. There's a couple decks that stand above and beyond everything else right now, and I think primarily those are going to be tag team decks uh, joined by our good purple friend Malamar. Um, So before we get into anything else, I think we can just start off on the foot of What is our favorite deck going into this event? Just the number one deck that you would play, and then we can start to get more into the nitty-gritty of those decks. So, JW, Knoxville is tonight. What are you playing? Well, I would have to say I'd be playing Picaram. Uh, We've seen the deck perform pretty well over the last few weeks. Uh, You look back to the last regional um, in Atlantic City, and it took three of the top eight slots and I think somewhere about eight or nine of the top 16. So very well represented amongst the top players. Uh, Now it was very heavily played. Uh, It saw a lot of day two uh, participants as well. Um, But I would still say it's just a strong contender in this format, particularly if a lot of people play fire decks. Totally, yeah. I mean, Picaram... It's got the most 50-50 matchup spread across the board, I feel like, and has all sorts of ways to finesse matchups with reset stamp heaviness. Uh, Lysander Labs and Power Plants can be used in a variety of ways to disrupt your opponent's strategies. Uh, overall, a really powerful deck. So it seems like you are really on the Picaram train, and I think we're going to talk more in depth about Picaram later. But if you had to pick out one thing that really sticks out to you about Picaram, what would that thing be? Why are you so drawn to that deck? Well, I think it plays from the board extremely well, and it's less susceptible to bad starts. So Malamar is another deck that I'm pretty high on, uh, where it, uh, you know, Stamp, I feel, is a really good card in this format. But for the most part, Malamar is generally unaffected by Stamp or affected very minimally by Stamp compared to the other decks in the format. Uh, for instance, all the welder decks, you know, you, you need not only the supporter in hand, but also to get the maximum value to fire energy. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need that combo in hand. Stamp can really hurt you, especially in the late game. Uh, but with a deck like Malamar, you don't necessarily have that. Now, if we look to Picaram, it's that same kind of thing. You don't necessarily lose so hard to stamp because all your energy is ideally on the board by the second or third turn. And you can kind of cycle through attackers that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, unlike Malamar, it has attackers that are not as squishy. So Malamar's max, you know, non-GX attacker, its main attacker, Giratina, has 130 HP. 
uh, cannot be knocked out in one hit. And of course, as you set up, you're you're kind of walling behind Jirachis and Inkes, and it can kind of feel really precarious as you're getting going. But that's not really the case with Pikaram. You have, you know, your main attacker Pikaram that has 240 HP, can take a hit or two. Uh, you know, Zero Aura even probably the weakest attacker in the deck has 190 HP. So uh, pretty strong, you know, in terms of being able to set up behind these big boys. You don't have to feel like you're always constantly, you know, searching out Pokemon, you know, uh, the way that Malamar would have to. Totally. And so right now we're being raided by Tricky Jim. Shout out to all the members of the Tricky Jim family. JW and I are just talking about our top decks for Knoxville. So as a quick summary of where we got so far, JW's number one pick is Pikaram. And he likes it because it plays incredibly well off the board and is less vulnerable to cards like Reset Stamp than Welder decks. And I, JW, I think that's a really strong analysis. I think that's pretty fair as to the strengths of Pikaram. Um, especially, like, I think in general, Welder decks are going to be weaker versus Stamp, whereas Pikaram playing more Jirachis, more hard draw cards like Cynthia's, uh, just gives it inherently a stronger ability to get out of Stamp than the average deck. Uh, in addition to the fact that your attackers will all more or less be on the board by turn three, I would say. Yeah, exactly. You're not you're not trying to dig out things. I mean, it has the best uh, draw engine consistency as well. Um, you see that obviously, electromagnetic radar is the card that is so perfect for Pikaram. And yeah, you know, we've talked about it on this show a lot, but uh, it can't be understated that grabbing a Dedenne and your main attacker is just really really good for that consistency. Um, it's kind of getting overshadowed. I think you know we we do have Cherish Ball in in Mewtwo decks and abilities are decks, but um, you know. You love to have a card that can get both your attacker and your draw support in one. Totally. And I totally feel that. And Natalie, thank you so much for that tier one sub, nine months of subscriptions. You're the best, Natalie. So then on the flip side, uh, I actually do like a welder deck, and that would be Mewtwo. Um, so you shared your top reason that you like Pikaram, being that it plays well off the board and is less vulnerable to disruption. I think the top reason I like Mewtwo is that it gives you the most options at any given moment. Um, I actually quite like Welder cards and Welder decks. I think uh, they're really fun to play and they're incredibly strong. But what I like about Mewtwo is it can play well into a variety of situations. Um, you have sort of sniping, uh, spreading strategies with Naganadel and Espeon Deoxys. And truly, I think Espeon Deoxys has developed into one of the strongest cards in the format just on its own, uh, being shown in Malamar, Mewtwo, and now even Nagquag is playing the card. Um, and then you also have kind of rushdown strategies with the Charizards, both the Reshiram Charizard and the Charizard GX from the family set. And then you also kind of have just more middle-of-the-road attackers. You have Solgaleo to accelerate energy. You have Macargo to deal uh, kind of mid-tier amounts of damage and also have that burst option with Macargo. And you even have the mill strategy aspect, where if your opponent runs low on cards, just be dealing with these gigantic Mew Mews on the field, you have Macargo's mill option, which actually comes in handy more often than you might expect. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's a lot of versatility to a Mewtwo deck uh, that a lot of the other decks just simply don't have. Being able to snipe, being able to one-shot, being able to have some kind of, you know, control like with Tag Purge, it's a lot to handle for a lot of decks. And I think that is why Mewtwo is looked at as one of the top decks heading into 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 this regionals. I mean, it's won pretty much every, what, every major event, Worlds, and now the two regionals. So like- It has won every, it's won know, every major except for the one that Gardevoir won and the one yeah. in Australia. Yeah, good call on that. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like Mewtwo is going to be pretty hated uh, for this. Like, if people didn't understand that Mewtwo was good after Worlds, they certainly will now after winning, you know, a couple more events. So totally, I feel like the the number of power plants index is going to increase, and just the overall amount of hate towards Mewtwo is going to increase. Totally. So then, how would you? deal with that as a Mewtwo player. You know your deck is going to get hated on. People are going to be playing stuff like Gardevoir. People are going to be playing Keldeos. People are going to be playing Power Plants. 
do you think there's a way to get around that if you're sleeving up a Mewtwo deck? Uh, do you think there's any changes you can make to your deck to deal with that? Or do you just kind of take those losses? Or do you refuse to play Mewtwo because it's so dangerous to play in that environment? Right. Well, personally, I would shy away from playing Mewtwo. I just didn't have the best luck with it this weekend at a cup that I went to. Never really felt like it was in control of the games. Um, just never drew that well. Things were a little bit clunky. Um, just didn't, again, didn't really feel like I could see most of my deck uh, in the rounds that I lost. And, you know, I ended up going 3-2 in the cup, but lost my first two rounds, like, pretty convincingly, and there really wasn't a whole lot I could have done. Um, and so that kind of led me off of the Mewtwo path. But I would say if you're looking to compete this weekend with Mewtwo, um, you know, I would I would definitely take into consideration that I think a lot of people are going to increase their power plant counts. And the best counter to that counter is probably to play more Jirachi in your deck. If you, you know, aren't playing Jirachi, I would probably play three to four. Um, and if you are playing Jirachi, well, then you can kind of count yourself as having a little bit better of a matchup against decks that play power plant. Yeah, totally. This past weekend, actually, I played Mewtwo with Jirachi at a League Cup. And I actually, after playing it, I think Mewtwo with Jirachi in general is inferior, uh, actually to a noticeable degree. But I think it is so much better against power plant decks that it's actually insane. Um, being able yep. to draw out of those power plant reset stamps and have guaranteed outs um, really cannot be emphasized enough. And Jirachi right. really gets you there in those situations. The right. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So while, you know, while it may not be the best, like, in a vacuum variant, I do feel like the Jirachi Mewtwo uh, deck is better poised to do well this weekend. Yeah, I totally agree. The one other thing I can think of that would be particularly useful uh, in dealing with these power plant heavy strategies, I think power plant being the most premier and common counter to Mewtwo, is going to be the Marshadow resetting hole. We saw Azul win in Atlantic City with zero copies of resetting hole Marshadow. Now I would go as far to say is if you're not playing Jirachi, it might be worthwhile to play two. Um, the card is so strong. Uh, having it prized is a real bummer against all sorts of decks. I mean, even Picaram is playing Power Plant now, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. So having that extra mysterious treasure, treasure searchable out. And what's more important, I think, is the fact that Marshadow will stay on your board and guarantee you an out even if you get reset stamped. So your opponent has to knock out the Marshadow, which very rarely will, will happen uh, in conjunction with a reset stamp Power Plant. So... Um, sure. I think that's the only alternative to running Jirachi is to be pretty thick on your stadiums or run a second Marshadow. Um, sure. But I like Marshadow a lot because it's immune to the stamp aspect for the most part. Right. It's certainly possible to gust it up and KO it. And that's, for some decks, that's actually the only way they can really win is if they pull sure, it off. Sure, like a Gardevoir deck, for instance. Yeah, like a Gardevoir deck will want to do that. I think a Greens Charizard deck will be really reliant on pulling off the Gust Up Marshadow knockout. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So, we, we don't need to go at length, though, of Mewtwo. If you want to know more about Mewtwo, you can check out our last episode where we dive really deep into Mewtwo. Um, I won a cup last weekend with Jirachi Mewtwo, felt really good Mewtwo is my favorite deck for sure and we have all sorts of opinions that you can find last week uh on jw's youtube channel uh flex daddy righteous on youtube so uh we'll come we'll loop back to Mewtwo a little bit later if chat has any questions about that but we thought for now uh going into this tournament it would be really valuable to get some insight on a different deck and that deck being jw's favorite in picaram so picaram seems to be a deck that there is absolutely no consensus on how that deck looks, um, which is pretty different from most of the field, I think, where you have a pretty strong idea of what lists will look like. I sit across from a Pikaron player, and I have literally no idea what their 60 cards will look like. I don't know right. their council right. Pokemon. I don't know their supporter to line up. I, the only thing I feel confident with is they're playing probably 11 energy. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just going to say, that would be the thing, right? That would be the thing that you could you could rely on. You yeah. know, Death Tap is an 11 energy in Picaram. Yeah. So I think besides <laughs> that, though, you almost have no idea what's going on. So, right. JW, of the, the different variants that have come up of Picaram, 
what is your personal favorite? What is the way that you see being the premier way to play the deck? And why is that way superior to some of the other strategies? Yeah, so I like it with two labs and one plant. I think the biggest variation that you'll see in Knoxville is in the stadiums. I think there are going to be people that play, you know, heavy plant, you know, maybe upwards of three. I, I mean, I do think that that is excessive, but, you know, certainly like two plant um, or and no uh, and no Lysander labs or they'll play two Lysander labs and no plant or they'll play some combination of the two. I think that's where the most variance comes in uh, amongst Picaron players. Uh, and so I personally prefer the one that plays two labs and one power plant. And I like that because it can help a lot of matchups, uh, including Gardevoir, which I expect to be a very popular deck, and Malamar, which I expect to be hugely popular in Knoxville. Um, the one power plant does get around certain things, uh, notably Keldeo. So it's your one answer to Keldeo decks. Uh, and it also gives you a little bit of control against Mewtwo decks, kind of that comeback potential. You, you have the ability to come back with a well-timed power plant. So that's why I like that split. It just kind of gives you that out, that extra power plant gives you that out against a few decks that you otherwise wouldn't have. Um, totally. And I think the Lysander labs are extremely strong right now. Yeah. In general. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, Gardevoir has really been tearing it up recently, but on the low almost. Like, I don't think a lot of people are playing it, but it does extremely well when it does get played. Uh, namely, fire decks seem to be uh, on the down, which Gardevoir certainly appreciates being able yeah. to put charms in for every other matchup, more or less. And so the Lysander Labs is pretty good in that matchup. Although I, I would say that sometimes two lab isn't enough to always get there uh, versus Gardevoir sure. decks, depending sure. on you know how well they're drawing off of Stamp, I think is going to be the main factor. Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's tough, but I think you give yourself the most options there without kind of going too far in one direction yeah so i think that's i think i would agree that there's a pretty strong stadium lineup i like running a lab um it gives you that extra option against mewtwo it gives you that uh bit of oomph the versus plant. keldeo the or yeah the plant sorry uh, it gives you that extra out versus mewtwo and gives you that extra oomph versus keldeo and i think labs is generally just pretty strong there's a lot of jirachi in the format there's a lot of Malamar decks that are out there, and Gardevoir is a huge threat, and one lab is essentially useless against Gardevoir. Um, sure, yeah. And then I think the other thing that you see in Picaram lists is, is the variance in uh, the tech Pokemon. So I've seen Hoopa, Mew with the Bench Barrier. I've seen uh, Absol. I've seen... Uh, Zapdos. I think there's a lot. I've seen Electros. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go with the Pokemon lineup. Uh, you know, the tech Pokemon lineup. Yeah. I really like Koopa and Mew uh, with a close third Absol. Um, those are kind of the things that I'd be looking to add into my deck. I think Koopa is pretty good, generally speaking, as an attacker. I mean, it's very cheap. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't rely on any, like... Um, cost to it uh like zapdos does obviously you get the most value of zapdos when you bring it active and uh sometimes that just isn't that possible like the, i feel like the lists are a little bit more clunky now uh than they were uh in in uh, formats past mm -hmm. and so i like the hoopa for that i like the hoopa against mewtwo you know they're going to be dropping one two maybe even three to dene might have um you know a Marshadow on their bench or something like that. Obviously, the Mewtwo has an ability, so you're going to be hitting for pretty significant damage against Mewtwo decks. And then, obviously, it does really well against Malamar. So I like Hoopa a lot as just kind of your catch-all attacker for the deck. And um, I would expect a lot of lists to play that in Knoxville. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Hoopa has very much impressed me as a tech card. Um and I think the reason that I've been impressed with it is it's a really good way to knock out Jirachis. Um, mm. A lot of these Jirachi decks will have easily two to three abilities on the first turn. If they hit that three ability threshold, you can just throw Hoopa up there and KO a Jirachi. And then it instantly provides value to any matchup that plays Jirachi um, instead of just being a good Malamar tech. Um, sure. So, and then I, I'm a fan of Bench Barrier more or less. I think it help, provides a lot of value versus Mewtwo. And it's okay versus Malamar. Um, right. 
So right. ta- obviously blocking the Esper. Yeah, correct. Blocking mm-hmm. that Esper can be a huge game changer sometimes. Yep. But then some of those okay. other lower tier techs, what <clears throat> what makes them not make the cut? What is what is the fault behind cards like Absol, behind cards like Pachi Risu? Uh, why are, are those cards not making your list? Yeah, so Absol, I think, um, just is very strong. I just think it's it's a little too meta dependent. Um, and you generally, I feel like, don't go for it, like, off your first Pokecom or even your second Pokecom in a lot of matchups. So I, th- at least that's what I've been finding. Totally. Is like... You know, it's not ever something that I always go for. It's just something that, oh, if I have it in hand, maybe I'll bench it. Um, (laughs) And a lot of times, like, it doesn't ever win you the game. So it kind of feels like a win more card uh, in the sense that, yeah, it doesn't directly cause you to, you know, win the game. Like a a card I feel like Mewtwo or the Mew, excuse me, with the bench barrier can prevent your opponent from winning the game. Uh, But that's not necessarily the case with Absol. I hope I'm explaining that. Uh, okay, but that's just kind of how I feel about Absol. Uh, something like Pachirisu, I think, is a very good tech. I I really think that um, if you're including Pachirisu in your list, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I, I feel like it's a strong card right now uh, with the spell tags and with, uh, you know, against Gardevoir mm-hmm. uh, in particular. But I also feel like, you know, you have enough maneuverability with two Lysander Labs. They don't necessarily need the Pachirisu uh, to get around those matchups. Now, if you're having trouble with those matchups, definitely include a Pachirisu, but uh, if you're not, I think the two labs can get you there. Um, do you have much experience with Picaram, Riley? Uh, my most notable experience with Picaram was I played it at a cup on Sunday, and actually it went horribly. I drew bad every single round, and the only two rounds that I won were because I played against a Venomoth Welder deck and a Cottony whimsicott deck rather that uh, i was able to use my one of power plant to basically tag bolt for all of my prizes um so no my experience with pikaram has not been positive or i guess i do have experience with pikaram it wasn't positive Uh, i was definitely salty and i was i was hamming it up at the cup as a joke like ah pikaram is the worst i've ever played blah blah blah. it's not the worst i've ever played the worst i've ever played is uh greninja but, <laughs> but Picaron in that day felt like it was up there. Um, yeah. You know, not as bad as Greninja, not as bad as Gardevoir GX, but still kind of bad. Um, For sure. For sure. <laughs> and so that's, I guess that has colored my opinion of Picaron. Certainly, I've been very outspoken in our share of group chats that I don't think that you should play Picaron because it draws too poorly. Um, it doesn't do enough any given game. Um, now do I think it's a bad pick for the tournament as a whole eh, I think it's decent I think Picaram actually does pull a lot of very close matchups and it's really not as horrible as I make it out to be um, mm-hmm. I just think it's more entertaining to to blow these opinions way out of proportion sometimes of course <laughs> and I know JW you're very guilty of doing that as well <laughs> of I mean, what's, what's the point of having an opinion if you don't say it loud? Loud and proud, right. And so, Especially on the internet, you know, especially on the internet. So no, Picaram is definitely not my favorite deck, but I think <laughs> what Picaram has going for it is the things I mentioned earlier. It's consistent when I'm not playing it. It has a lot of outs to a lot of different matchups, brings a lot of, um, a lot of matchups close to 50-50. I don't think it has very many dominant matchups i think fire is probably the matchup where picaram shines the strongest as long as fire doesn't get the insane turn one going first um in which case picaram usually will fall but so will most other decks um but other than that like i don't think picaram takes any incredibly strong matchups but that's offset because it doesn't take any incredibly weak matchups um so for example a mewtwo deck built like azul's will immediately lose the game if your opponent puts down two Caldeos um, or if your opponent um, is playing Gardevoir GX with two Psychic Charms. Whereas Picaram, well, it's like, you know, I can reset stamp, Lysander Lab, the Gardevoirs, I can power plant the Caldeos, I can attack the Caldeos with Tapu Koko Prism Star if I need to. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just a lot going on that makes the deck 
And there's a lot of versatility too. Like we mentioned so many techs that Pigram can just slot in super easily. Um, some, some of my favorite ones being the Hoopa. I think Hoopa almost doesn't even feel like a tech in Pigram anymore. It feels mm-hmm. just like part of the deck. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then stuff like the Mew, I think is really good. Just giving you that extra protection. Um, and it's also kind of niche useful in the Blounds matchup for setting up um, some interesting math with sure. um, Tag Bolt potentially or with um, just Full Blitz and then send up Mew and knock it out with the Mew. Um, some cool things you can do there. Um, additionally, I think that Pikaram has just a lot of other good techs though. So for example, Pachirisu I think is actually exceptionally strong, um, especially into Gardevoir. I think if you include Pachirisu and a lab or two in your deck and you're still losing the Gardevoir, you should rethink the way you've been testing your, your games is the mm-hmm. way I would say that. Um, yeah. And I also think it's niche useful against Malamar. You can knock a tag off a Tina or an escape board off a Jirachi and with one electric power, you KO that thing. So sure. throwing a one prize reactive and KOing a Malamar or a Tina rather, while also getting rid of the spell tag spread seems kind of useful to me maybe not the best tech in the world for malamar but at least it's useful um, right right it, it has uses outside of you know the one that you would immediately think of in gardevoir yeah and we actually saw brady botner use it to a pretty cool effect on stream versus the weird um what is it called behem deck where the gumi yeah. has 40 hp and it increases the energy you need to attack by one but Brady sure. used a Thunder Mountain and one attachment and one Electra Power to knock out the Gumi with a one prizer. I, th- I actually think that was a really heads up play. Um, and some Satchelman in chat saying Brady is not as cool as Starcry. Uh, I mean, not not a lot of people are. I don't think Brady is either. But you know, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with with everybody here. Um. LAUGHTER so very good, very good. So uh, we've kind of talked about text about uh, of Pikaram. Uh, we've we've kind of gone over a few kind of matchups. What what are you thinking would be the reason that it doesn't perform well this weekend? What do you think would keep Pikaram from winning the tournament? Inherently, I don't think there's a ton that necessarily bars Pikaram from winning the tournament. Besides it just not being as strong as another deck. So what I mean by that is a Pikaram player running hot doesn't feel as strong to me as a Mewtwo or a Charizard player running hot. Um, so if you're putting, if you're in the position to win a tournament, usually you're running pretty well, you're hitting good matchups. And so if there's a welder deck that's drawing well and hitting good matchups, I feel like that is a stronger deck than Pikaram. And I think mm. that is kind of the philosophy I'm operating on when I recommend those decks over Pikaram. Now, mm-hmm. the counterpoint to that, and I think this is a point that probably you have adopted, JW, is that Pikaram takes a lot of 50-50s. It gives you a lot of chances to win in different ways. And so the flip side of that is it might not be the strongest deck, but it puts you in the, it'll put you most often in the position to win the tournament because you will have that consistency element that'll get you to like the day two, the top 32, the, the top eight more sure. frequently than welder decks. Is, does that seem like the two sides of the coin here? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for just putting yourself in position to win, you know? Um, obviously we kind of think of, of the welder decks as being these run hot decks, uh, these, these kind of all or nothing glass cannon in some sense, uh, type decks, whereas the Pikaram, a little bit more slow and steady, methodical, you know, which almost is kind of funny to say, given its history in the game, but... Yeah, I mean, looking back at Worlds, right, we thought Pikaram was the fastest deck um, in our preliminary testing. Nothing could keep up with the speed. We played it with order pads or acro bikes or whatever else. Um and now yep. we're not only are we playing it much slower, but we're playing cards like Power Plant in it, which is almost absurd if you told that to our testing group Free Worlds. Actually, Andrew and I talked about that Free Worlds, and we laughed the idea out of off the table. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
it's it's funny to see how Fikarama has developed over time into being the more baited deck than anything else in the format. So then I have one last question as far as building Pikaram, though. Um, there's been a huge debate as to the the supporter lineup in Pikaram. I think it's been a subject of question for a lot of people. We've seen Lily be played. We've seen Cynthia. We've seen Bill's analysis see some play. Um, the one thing that seems to be consistent nowadays, uh, maybe not beforehand, but with these Jirachi builds, everybody's playing three to four Volkner. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, it seems like there's three to four supporters that'll go in the deck besides the Volkners. And what are those going to be? I think the premier ones, uh, Pedro introduced the Bills. I don't think that's typically brought up in these discussions. Uh, most frequently, the debate seems to be between Lily, Cynthia, and Judge. Um, I have my own personal opinions, but JDW, I'm curious on yours. What do you think is the strongest of these options? I really like Judge as a supporter, as a two of in the deck. I don't think it should be the main focus. I just think it should be a uh, choice that you have. I, I really don't love when you just kind of go for that first turn Judge and hope they don't have it. But I do like it as that option. You know, I just don't think that it needs to be uh, the thing that you aim for every single game. Um, so I like it as a two of, and then I like Cynthia as a three of and Volkner as a three of, and those are kind of interchangeable. You could just do like two Cynthia and four Volkner. Uh, you go the three, three split. Um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out kind of the, the ideal there, but that's probably how I would divide it up. Now. I, I totally understand if you're playing Lily, like I get that Lily, very strong card allows you to hold things in your hand late game, uh, without just shuffling them back into the deck. So it's good, you know, obviously has really strong early game advantages over Cynthia or judge, but uh, I don't know. I just find that the, the Cynthia's are again, that kind of middle ground. They just are good. I, I always like seeing Cynthia. Whereas there are times where I wouldn't like to see a Lily, you know, uh, do I know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so many turns where it's really hard to get a good Lily off and it feels yeah like a how or like a kakui without the damage (laughs) sure yeah or like a glorified judge whistle (laughs) right um so i actually i actually really like the count that you provided there i think having some judge is a really strong option particularly against welder decks that are very vulnerable against judge i don't like making judge the only supporter in the deck i know a lot of people do I don't really the only draw supporter. Yeah, I don't really fault you if you do like that. Uh, for me, though, I feel so uncomfortable drawing four cards max off of my supporter. That feels really scary, and I can't really say that I would willingly choose to do that on a tournament level, or a regional-level sure. tournament, rather. Um, and Lily, I, I, I actually... I'm going to go a little bit off the cuff from what you said. I think it's an okay option, but I, I think it's by far the worst one. Um, I think the first turn advantage that comes with Lily is significantly worse than the entire rest of the game where you're playing Lilies in your deck. Um, mm-hmm. Pikaram does have a little bit of an easier time than average playing Lily because we play Electromagnetic Radar. Um, but even then, I I find it difficult to use Lily for the value that I would want as opposed to, like you said, it never really feels too bad to have a Cynthia in your hand, whereas lily can be dead um a lot of the time actually after turn one and so so at that point you're basically playing three house and (laughs) volkners um yeah so but then going a little bit back pedro's bills analysis version obviously hasn't been the standard it's not something that's been discussed a lot since then have you tried that out do you have do you think it has any merit or do you think it's just that's just Pedro being Pedro and that's going to fall off the radar. I mean, I feel like a lot of these things are just kind of like, what spice do you want in your spaghetti? Like, (laughs) it's just, you know, do you like it a little salty? Do you like it a little peppery? Uh, You know, how much tomato? Like, it's just all kind of the same and it doesn't really make a big difference. Um, But you know just choose i guess what you like that's like such terrible advice i feel like (laughs) but 
you know, I, I mean, it really does kind of feel that way where, okay, Bill's analysis, you know, gets you gets you a couple trainers, but maybe you don't need trainers. Like I find myself a lot of times in the mid game, like needing energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in that case, if I needed energy, then I would have rather had Cynthia. But then there are times where you just need to dig for that last custom catcher. So in that in that sense, you know, it'd be much better to have Bills in your in your deck. So it's just kind of like choose what you want because there are always situations where the other supporter is going to be better. So I just feel like choose what you like, choose what feels right to me. The judge Cynthia split feels right to you. The Lily, you know, engine feels right. I I just can't, it's hard for me to give like a definitive, this is one opinion that I'll have. That's very wishy-washy in that (laughs) I can't really say which is better than which. Yeah. So then uh, Squirt Mandasaur brings up another interesting point, which I think is also important that we address. Picaram has obviously delved really deep in the disruption front, um, Judge being one aspect of that, but I think the more prominent aspect being Reset Stamp. So Reset Stamp has seen play in a wide variety of counts. We've seen as low as one, as high as three, I think, is about the max I would see in Picaram typically. Um, but if you're playing four, more power to you, and I have a lot of respect for you. So, <laughs> so what do you think is the right there, number there, JW? I think two to three seems to be the debate right now. Yeah. What do you feel comfortable I would, with? Right. I, I would go with two. Um, but, like, if you showed up with three, and if three wins, like, if a deck with, or if a Picaram deck with three po- or a stamp wins, like, I would not be shocked in the slightest. But I would keep it at two. You really only get that kind of that one turn to do it, to pull off the stamp for like the best effect. So even though you may have to discard one early, like you still have that one for backup. Um, and then if you're playing a list like mine that has judge, like then you can also judge late game. Um, so you kind of have that flexibility with supporter counts too. Yeah, I more or less agree. I think that you more you kind of hit it on the nose where like. Most games, you're going to be looking to use it probably once for maximum value. But I do think there's lots of games where you want to disrupt more than once, uh, particularly um, Green's Exploration decks being the main offender there. Uh, if you sure. if they take any prizes and you just judge them or rather reset stamp them every turn, uh, things get really hairy for them really fast. So then my point that I'm getting to is I think actually three stamp is really, really good unless that you're playing some count of judge i think uh basically two copies of judge in my mind can account for like one copy of reset stamp um so i i would kind of interchange them like that so if you're the math if you're playing like four judge then you can get away with one to two stamp if you're playing two judge you can get away with two to three stamp um yeah the only thing i would say though is the third stamp is probably the first card i would cut to fit in other things so if you're playing a list with three stamp and you are really afraid of Gardevoir, uh, just cut it for Apache Beastie or something. It's fine. You know, two stamps plus Apache is pretty good versus Guardi. Um, stronger than three stamp, in my opinion. So, um, sure. so yeah, I, sure. I would recommend the three because I really like reset stamp. I played four in the Green Zard deck this past weekend, and I loved every second of it. I thought it was really strong. Um but definitely that that's the first card that can go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well that was that was a pretty good uh wholesome, you know, well-rounded discussion on Picaram. Let's move over to another deck. Um you know, you were just mentioning how you played four reset stamp in your list uh this weekend. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with Green's Reshazard? Yeah, Green's Reshazard is a really interesting deck. It doesn't really play like any other deck in the format. Um, you're kind of just like sacking prizes until eventually your Charizard can get in there. Um, and then you use one to two Charizards to clean out the game. Um, the reset stamp version uh, that came from Bra- the Brazilian SPE is actually incredibly good. I like it a lot. Um, it has a couple flaws. Namely, I think Green's art Charizard even more than Gardevoir is weak to disruption. It's weak to reset stamp and judge more than Gardevoir is. Um, and it also 
is just a generally slow deck. It can draw really weird. Uh, you, you starting not Valk is is scary and weird and awkward. Um, certainly not the end of the world, but and the strategy also felt strong but fragile. I don't. That's obviously those are oxymorons. But what I mean is like reset stamp power plant was the entire focus of that greens art build, True. and some decks can really falter to that. Like. I would, I played two Mewtwo's in my challenge, and against both of them, I sacked four or five prizes, and Power Plant reset stamped them and knocked them out. Uh, their Latios, and that would be kind of the game. After that, they would have basically one turn to draw out of it, um, and that won me both my games against Mewtwo. And but then we tested it later against Pikaram with me playing Pikaram, and I was able to get some some good games where I was able to get a tag bolt on both Charizards. I uh, kind of set them both up to be KO'd, and their stamps weren't really a factor anymore because I just sure. I didn't take prizes until the, all my prizes were laid out on the board. And that particular version of Greens doesn't play any healing, so you know that 170 on the Zard on the back is sticking. Um, right. That version of Green Zard also is very, very weak against any one prizer deck, so Spear Tomb, uh, Nag Quag, Malamar all super rough to play against yeah it really yep. you're basically scooping up the cards as soon as you hit the matchup it's that bad um yep. and it's it's tough and it, i think it's also fragile just to like green's art is bad against disruption um tag purge is really scary and can quickly snowball to a game state that you can't win anymore even if you pull off some stamp shenanigans um sure and I don't know why, but whenever I play green decks, I always have like these bizarre hands where I whiff the pokey gear and like can't do anything for a couple turns. Right, and that's the <laughs> other thing I was just gonna say. You you're cutting, you know, the the best consistency Pokemon that we have in the game right now into Dene GX. Right. Exactly. So, so you don't have a you don't have the Cherish Ball out or the Pokecom out to drawing more cards. You don't have Jirachi as well, who arguably is even a more powerful consistency card than Dene. Um, good point. Yeah, it's, and it, it's very rare to see a deck play neither of those two cards. As and I think actually every single deck that doesn't play greens plays one of the two, <laughs> right? Or both in many cases. So, um, and it's just like Charizard is less sustainable on pure board state than Gardevoir, mm-hmm. um, which makes Gardevoir, in my opinion, a stronger greens deck. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't. That's not to say that I hate greens art though. I just think I wouldn't really play it at a large tournament just because there's so much that can go wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was just going to say, so, like, sum up why you would, like, in one sentence, sum up why you would play Green's Charizard for AC, and then second sentence, sum up why you wouldn't play Green's Charizard for AC. Yeah, that's actually, that's a super good prompt. I like that. So I would play Green's Charizard in AC, because it has a lot of really strong comeback potential with plant and reset stamp. You can just totally blow Mewtwo decks and Pika decks out of the water with stuff like that sometimes. I wouldn't play it because I think it's really weak to early disruption and it has awkward draws. Yeah. Cool. So then... I think that's that up for sure. Yeah. So then flipping the script to you some other decks that we haven't really talked a ton about um, in the past couple weeks. One of them I think definitely worth mentioning is Malamar. You said you're pretty high on it right now. I know myself, I've been high on Malamar the entirety of this format. Um, Yeah. What has drawn you to it? What is good about Malamar? Kind of give me the lowdown. Well, I've, I've been really up and down on Malamar. I mean, if you remember, like, you know, back to Worlds, you were kind of saying, hey, JW, what about Malamar? And I was playing it and like, oh, yeah, you know, Malamar could be a thing. And then we kind of got into the format and like, oh, it, it struggles a little bit with uh, Mewtwo Mew and uh, Espeon Deoxys just taking too many prizes. And then, um, you know, just the weakness guard energy and, you know, just these various counters to Malamar uh, pop up in Mewtwo Mew particular, I feel like Malamar is poised to do well I because I can't really give an answer. I think that it does do well against just these big tag teams. Um, 
and I, I don't know it just feels like the flavor right now i i really can't give it like that that definitive reason that it's good but we've seen it do pretty well consistently uh in the cup setting and so and even i mean it got a top eight in um in atlantic city as well i just feel like the wave is there and i i can't quite put my finger on why yeah i mean i can't attest to your cups although i think i have am aware that it's doing pretty well there i know in madison chicago wisconsin kind of area um it's done exceedingly well at cups uh it's performed in top eight top four finishes at every single cup i've been to i think malmar has been in the top four at least and yeah that's pretty impressive a lot of people though say that malamar in best of three struggles and i think that's something we've said before on the podcast as well is that 50 minutes is really tough for malamar to finish in do you still think that's true do you think that malamar is going to be a tie heavy deck or do you think that malamar is strong enough to either 2-0 most opponents or finish three games playing at an appropriate pace Sure. I mean, I think the good Malamar players will see success if they bring it to regionals because they'll know exactly when to scoop. There are times with Malamar where you, you know, you're you're never going to take like the quickest prizes with Malamar. I feel generally speaking, uh, you know, you're you're probably not going to take that first prize, second prize, third prize. Uh, <laughs> but you need to know when a game is unwinnable. Um, if you start that dead hand in game two, let's say you won game one, even sometimes, you know, let's say you won game one and game two, you just start this hand. That's like kind of bad. And, you know, you've played the deck enough that, you know, okay, I probably lose this game. We'll just scoop it up, go to game three, because you're not going to have time to figure out whether or not you do actually pull that game off. Um, I feel like Malamar does have that kind of benefit to it where, um, where you you know i feel like more more quickly if you're gonna win or if you're gonna lose right like if you if you start and you start your espion deoxys yeah you're like well all right let's just scoop it up like i'm probably losing this game uh so you kind of had that benefit there and like or you you know you start a giratina and you get no nk down <laughs> okay well we, we just you know we'll, we'll play another one you know that's like pretty easy scoop territory for me at least so just knowing the deck well enough, I think the better players will do better. I mean, duh, the better players will do better. But <laughs> the better players will do better with Malamar because they know exactly when to scoop up the cards and when they're in a very unfavorable board state. Yeah. Uh, the one counterpoint I have to that is I think Malamar is, more than any a deck, the comeback potential associated with it where you can't truly tell how a game might go because there's always the chance like, well... You know, they, if they take this spell tag damage and I do this and that, then actually the math works perfectly and I win the game, even though I whiffed for the first two turns. And I think, sure. I think the key to playing Malamar is realizing that those, while possible, those games aren't going to happen very often. And it's better off to just go first in a third game and instead of wasting your time trying to make those odds occur. Um, right it really feels bad to scoop early and i i get that i played a lot of zoric decks where scooping early felt so silly because you zoric was so good at coming back out of nowhere um yeah but sometimes it's totally necessary um and i actually have a lot of respect for people who just are willing to scoop early for the for the ability to go first in a third game yep absolutely so that's a pretty good summary of malamar i think there's one other thing before I go into the one sentence uh, kind of mojo that you you establish, and that's what do you think of the Prism Stars in the deck? I think um, Giratina and Lunala have both seen some play in Malamar. What do you think of those? Do you think they're worth the deck's face? Do you think one or both of them is worth it? Uh, and why do you like them or yeah. dislike them? Now, I admittedly haven't played with the Giratina, but the Lunala is very, very strong. Um, just being able to kind of uh, play play from you know different spots on the board and to just recycle energy if you don't have Malamars out because a lot of times you can um, 
you know, potentially go up in prizes, but they're sniping your Malamars. Well, now you have an option to kind of get that energy back uh, despite having all your Malamars knocked out. Um, and it also just has a very solid second attack, you know, doing what upwards. If you play eight energy, then you can do 160. Well, it also counts uh, your opponent's energy. Oh, it also, right. And it, right. So you can do 160 on your side of the field. And then if your opponent is like, particularly in the Mewtwo matchup, if they're building up a ton of energy to do a cross divide or something, then you can take those big knockouts. Um, so I like that card a lot. The Giratina, I'm not so high on, but I mean, we look at the top eight list of Michael Catrone from uh, Atlantic City. He played it and I just don't love it. I never really find with only eight energy that I'm really that able to get a Giratina in hand with two energy. Sure, uh, It's just never felt like something that's, been consistently doable but the reason that you would include it is if you know you want to get that quicker attack off uh you would put in that giratina yeah i think also the giratina can be useful in spots like placephalon to hit that extra little bit of damage early on um take quicker knockouts with spell tags um i am a big fan of lunala though i think that it gives you some additional oomph to your attacks yeah. uh, there's a lot of decks in format right now though that actually have some trouble playing around it even if it's not taking a one hit ko being able to do like that's 180 200 damage yep. with malamar yep. is really really good um yeah and, and it's and it's fat it's a that's, thick bowl. that's the next point i was going to make is that it's really hard to ko it actually um particularly for one of malamar's hardest matchups in gardevoir um if you play both of those prism stars it's actually really hard for gardevoir to deal with them um and you can actually just run them over over time. Yeah, for sure. So, cool. So then flipping that script on you, you have one sentence to explain why you would play Malamar and then one sentence to explain why you would not. I would play Malamar if I expected most of the field to be tag team decks. Uh, I would not play Malamar if I wasn't confident in when to scoop totally yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um and then one question from chat is does latios help your guard of our matchup i think it does slightly although i would be wary of leaning into it um mm. namely because xerneas can attack into latios uh so you either, and you know guard of can also quad custom to ko it so if you're not um, using clear vision, then they can just quad custom GX it with either Gardevoir or Xerneas, and you can also attack with it. And it looks like mm-hmm. Katron isn't a huge fan of the Giratina Prism either. <laughs> Very good. Based on uh, what we're hearing in chat. <laughs> cool. Cool. So I think there's one other deck I want to go very briefly into. I don't think we have, have to go a ton into it. Uh, it's not going to be very popular, but I do think it's very strong. Um, and that's going to be birds, uh, the Pidgey deck. So control as an archetype always seems to get under the radar, even when it does well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think Pidgey is kind of positioned like that for this event. The only weakness I think Pidgey consistently has, besides Nightquag, is cross divide can be really rough. Uh, But I still think the deck is very, very strong. I don't think we need to go too in-depth. Pidgey is a deck that you... If you haven't practiced Pidgey already, do not listen to this podcast and pick up Pidgey. Um, I think Pidgey is one of the top three decks for this tournament, but do not pick it up at this point in the game. Um, (laughs) It it, it might be a top three deck in general, but it might not be a top deck for you. Correct. But I'm curious, JW... I don't think you've played a ton of Pidgey, but what is the one sentence why you would or would not play Pidgey? Well, I I would play Pidgey if I was confident in my abilities, uh, and I wouldn't play Pidgey if I wasn't. I mean, <laughs> the deck is is one of those you know it's it's just a lock deck that um, I I feel like you know it is I don't know it kind of takes that long that long slow grind to it to kind of get it set up into that point where you you know all of a sudden like go into the the you know the full lock i guess so it it takes that time to really set up the plays 
you got to know what you want to sacrifice. You got to know what you want to uh, get back. I mean, it, there's a, there's quite a bit of thinking with that deck. So again, like you said, don't play it if like you're listening to us and and we're saying, hey, it's a good deck. Just just don't play it if you've never played it before. Uh, <laughs> but for the people that are considering it, I think it's extremely strong. Now, I, I do think it struggles with things like Picaram. Um, in particular, I I feel like Picaram has a decent enough matchup against the birds that I would not be scared of birds if I was sitting across from it with Picaram. Um, so I think if you're expecting to see a lot of Picaram, I maybe would shy away from it. Now that I think the biggest counter uh, Picaram runs inherently in the GX tack of Zero Aura, being able to get all your energies back. Um, now that's easier said than done sometimes, <laughs> but you kind of have that automatic recycling. Uh, of energy and birds also struggles with things like it can struggle with Malamar. Of course it, it can beat it. I can't struggle with it. Um, and then it would just kind of, from my experience, just auto lose like a nag quag. So, uh, yeah. It literally cannot beat nag quag unless something yeah, insane so happens. If you expect to see a lot of nag quag, uh, for some reason, then I just wouldn't recommend birds. Yeah. Um, I also think one thing that, you haven't really mentioned but is worth mentioning is even matchups besides an Aquag where Pidgey might be a little unfavored or struggle they quickly turn into incredibly positive matchups depending on your opponent's matchup knowledge um, mm-hmm. Malamar and Picaram both I think are yep. affected by that um, yep. so just some quick tips uh, if you're playing Malamar use Mimikyu to copy resource management and if you're playing Picaram, full voltage is key. So I would just keep those in mind if you're playing those decks uh, heading into Pidgey. But if, you, if you're playing Pidgey and your opponent doesn't know that, they don't bench Mimikyu, then your Malamar matchup immediately becomes much different and a lot easier to pull off. Um, similarly, if your Pikachu opponent leans too hard in a Tag Bolt, that can very, be, very easily be answered with a Articuno Power Plant Reset Stamp. So, yep. Um, yep. Things to keep in mind. Cool. Yeah, for, for sure. So, I think we've covered a huge array of decks between this week and last week. Um, again, make sure to check out JW's YouTube channel if you have not already to hear more about Mewtwo in particular. Um, so, I think now is a good time that we can open it up to the floor and chat. We'll take three to five questions today before we wrap it up. And while chat is coming up with the questions, how about JW? You provide the three most popular decks that you expect to see in Atlantic City, in order. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would probably expect. Oh man, this is tough. I would probably expect number one to be Picaram, number two to be Ability Zard. I think that is still a very popular deck, especially amongst uh, inexperienced or newer players. Not to say that that experienced players won't play Ability Zard, but I do just think it it tends to be that kind of very um, solitaire style deck where you just only have to kind of worry about your side of the field. Um, and so it lends itself to a newer player. Uh, so I think Picaram, Abilities Art, and then Mewtwo would probably be a close third with its very solid performances over the last three weeks. I think Mewtwo just should see a lot more popularity in terms of the amount of people that play it. Um, and so I would expect those to be the top three for this weekend. Yeah, um, I think my personal top three that I would expect, I would agree. I think Picaram is going to be the most popular deck. Um, it kind of nearly always is, and I don't think that's going to change. I think Mewtwo is going to take that second place spot. I think a lot of people are really high on the deck, myself included, and it's really fun. And the tin has made it a lot more accessible. So sure. over the last couple of weeks, I think a lot of people have acquired Mewtwo's that maybe didn't before. And whereas I think in worlds and immediately after worlds there was a uh kind of like disparity between who had mutus and didn't <laughs> there's yeah um yeah where that has kind of erased itself now and i think in third place we'll probably see malamar i think abilities art has kind of fallen off people's radars it's really strong still no doubt but um i think it's just going to be less popular than some of these other decks sure Cool. So it looks like some some questions have flowed into chat. Um, We'll just answer the first, let's say, five that we get a chance to look at here. So Alaskan Hero asked one that I think is really interesting. 
what is the most interesting rogue deck that you've seen recently? What's the most interesting rogue deck? Uh, I don't know. I always like a good Aerodactyl. Uh, Aerodactyl <laughs> always, always a good one. Um, and I also like Spiritomb a lot. I don't know, just in general. I think he's pretty cool. It's a fun mechanic that I've never played with in the uh, in the trading card game. Um, and while it's not, you know, it shouldn't do that well this weekend, I think it's very cool. Totally. Uh, my personal answer to that question, I think, is the Marshadow and Machamp Greens Miss Magius deck that Mark Lutz played in <laughs> Europe. That deck is ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. It's weird. But it's <laughs> a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, just looking at it, but it su performs surprisingly well, and it looks so fun. I haven't got a chance to really get my hands on it, but yeah, but what an insane combination of ideas to make that work. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so, <laughs> so next question, I think we can combine uh, the question from He Said It Hyperbra and the Alaskan Hero. Uh, do you prefer Mewbox with or without Jirachi, and which version of Mewbox do you like best for cups and best of three and i think besides jirachi in that we can also include kind of like Tord versus azul variants mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i'll go first jw and then you can follow up i think sure. in general i prefer a straightforward approach uh kind of like azul has ran but uh with i think the inclusion of two Marsh shadow is pretty valuable um and maybe a Lysander Labs if you're worried about Gardevoir. I think you play the Reshiram and Charizard GX just to have some extra double blaze options. Um, mm. I think that's overall the strongest version. Um, in this particular metagame, though, I think Jirachi is well poised. So I would kind of lean towards that just as a way to deal with Power Plant, as a way to deal with Reset Stamp. Um, even though the version, I think, is almost objectively inferior as a vacuum deck. Uh, I think that's the deck to, to play at the moment. Yeah, I would agree. I think Jirachi Pikaram is, is pro or excuse me, Jirachi uh, Mewtwo is the way to go for this weekend, just because we have been seeing a lot more decks utilize Stamp uh, and Plant, that combo. So uh, Jirachi can kind of wiggle its way out of those scenarios. So if you're going this weekend, I would highly recommend Jirachi. Yeah, awesome stuff. So then... Another question, which I think is an interesting perspective on tournaments that, JW, I know you and I have talked about before. Uh, if you were to play a deck just to get points, what would it be versus mm -hmm. winning the whole thing? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a philosophy that we see in a lot of different players who go in with the mindset of, well, I just want to get top 128, top 256, so I can get some points for Worlds versus, you know, yeah. I'm trying to high roll and win this tournament. Uh, so, yeah. JW, what are your two decks for those categories? Yeah, I would say it would probably be a tie between, in terms of getting points, it would probably be a tie between Malamar and Pikaram. And then in terms of a deck to win the whole thing, I would say Mewtwo. Yeah, I would I would actually say the same decks if I was to play a deck just to get points. Um, I think I'll even more definitively say I think Pikaram is that deck um, over Malamar. Not to say Malamar is bad, I just think Pikaram is the deck that'll take the most 50-50s and give you that at worst it'll give you that mediocre record <laughs> um and as far as winning the whole thing um i think a very straightforward mewtwo deck that doesn't play anything fancy uh can just blow blow a lot of things out of the water and totally dominate if you hit the right matchups so um down the line we got from busted tcg <laughs> one of my locals ben do you have any kamoos uh, I think I actually do have several Komoos, uh, but I don't think we'll count that as one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wit356 asks, are you guys going to Portland this year? JW, what will you see an appearance in Portland? I don't know yet. Probably no, just considering geography and how expensive it is to fly to the West Coast. Uh, so I'm going to say no. Yeah, I think there's actually a decent chance you see me in Portland this year. The flight's are looking surprisingly good for me in Madison, which is very rare. Uh, the Madison airport has not been super kind to me. So uh, I'll probably jump on that, yeah, actually. Cool. And then one last question. Uh, do you What do you think of the new stadium, which destroys the next played stadium? So Chaos Vortex. 
Yes, from the new set. Uh, I like it a lot. I think it's very, uh, very strong, very strong card. Really enjoy it. I'm excited to see how it will, you know, I, I think it should be a played card, you know, for sure. Um, so I'm excited to see how it will uh, shape the meta. Yeah. I don't know if shape the meta is, is quite the thing. I don't know how it will um, affect things, but it, def- it definitely seems like a good stadium, um, you know, in things that don't want to get planted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm curious, like, which decks are going to be utilizing it uh, and how sure. they're going to use it. So, for example, like, Mewtwo really likes the giant hearth and stuff like that, So, but it doesn't want plant right. either. So, like, where's the balance there? Whereas I think, actually, a deck like Gardevoir traditionally runs plants for that disruption, but it actually might just prefer to have the new stadium and say, hey, you can't Lysander Lab my charms. Right. I was just going to say, or, like, you don't get that giant hearth effect. Yeah. So, you know. so I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways that that card could come into play. Whimsicott, definitely a viable user of Chaos <laughs> Vortex. Uh, as if Whimsicott isn't chaotic enough, even without a Vortex surrounding it. Right. But yeah, I think I'm really excited to see the ways that card gets played because I think it's a really interesting card design. Absolutely. So that's bringing us to the end of our stream here today. Thank you so much to everyone who's joined us. Um, We really appreciate all the support that we've seen from everyone so far. Be sure to check out this episode on iTunes, Spotify, uh, in addition to the typical YouTube upload. And if you're a fan of the podcast, be sure to rate on those platforms as well, because it will help us in the long term to be more visible and continue to churn out this production. Um, additionally, we'd just like to throw out there, JW and I are probably looking for someone to do some artwork for us. Um, so if anyone has any recommendations or does artwork themselves, feel free to DM us on Twitter, uh, at Smiles with Riles and at Real John Walter. So we can get some of that information going. We'd love to work with you. And with that, we will bring Tag Team to a close. I'll see you all next time. All right. See you guys. Thank you for hanging out. Peace. <laughs>